I encourage you to open it to Isaiah chapter 40. Or click in it. I still think one of these is good to have, right? A real physical copy. Okay, maybe I'm old school, but like, there's no distractions. You can't click to your internet memes when you're reading this, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> We're taking a brief detour from our series on our shaping virtues. Uh, we'll come back to that in two Sundays. Actually, uh, next Sunday, I will be in Pasadena proctoring an oral exam for one of our West Region pastoral candidates, and then I'm going to stay over and preach in our Pasadena church. So one of the pastors from the North Church is going to come down. So that's next Sunday. Um, today, I'm preaching on a different topic than the Christian virtues. That's because originally we had Pastor Dan scheduled to preach today on the virtue of encouragement, but the radiation treatments were taking a toll on him, and so we uh, got together at the end of the meeting last Sunday and just said, so are you going to be able to or not? And we decided together that it wasn't going to be a good idea. He wasn't really going to have the strength to do that, it didn't look like. And so... Um, after we decided that, I was thinking about what plan B would be, and I was weighing the options about how to fill the pulpit, and I just felt like it was from the Lord that we should preach, that I should preach on the topic of finding our strength in our challenges of life, finding strength. Dan's obviously going through a challenge with his cancer. He needs strength to get through that. But you and I have our challenges also. And it doesn't matter if they seem small compared to cancer. If it's causing you stress, if you're staying awake at night over it, if it's a burden that you're having trouble carrying, then it's big for you. And you need strength to get through it. So this morning we're going to turn to the passage that we used for devotional when we were working hard down at Rancho 3M. And we needed strength for that week, and the Lord intends to use this text to give you strength also. The passage is Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31, and the title of this message is, God Will Give You Strength, and I borrow that title from a sermon by H.B. Charles. He's one of my preachers that I like to listen to for my own soul, and he preached on this much more... Uh, lively than I will, but uh, I want to acknowledge his uh, influence on my thinking about this passage. Let's read Isaiah 40, verses 27 to 31, and then pray. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded? by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted 
But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. We come to the throne of grace this morning, expecting to receive grace to help in time of need, whether that's illumination this morning to see things that we're not aware of right now, things that would strengthen our souls. I expect that. We, we ask for it. And so this morning, we ask you to come to do the thing in all of our hearts that we need. You know what, what it is for each individual person this morning. So Holy Spirit, be at work among us now and, and make these words come alive to us and apply to the individual situations of our lives. So we go from here with an expectation of your goodness and your faithfulness. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start by putting this passage into context. So the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are pretty heavy on the side of warnings and judgments that are coming Israel's way because of their centuries of unfaithfulness to the Lord. And the way chapter 39 ends up is with this promise that to King Hezekiah that in the not-too-distant future... All the wealth of Jerusalem and most of the people are going to be carried away by the king of Babylon back to his home country. So it's a prediction of the exile, and that's in the not-too-distant future for Israel. So that's the end of chapter 39. But then starting in chapter 40, moving towards the end of Isaiah, the emphasis shifts towards comfort. So the chapter 40 starts out with, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. That's a promise of deliverance from captivity and from the guilt of their sins. And it would be partly fulfilled in the return from exile some centuries later, where they were comforted and where they were brought back home. And we, we read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. But it's ultimate fulfillment, especially the sins being removed, was of the Messiah's coming many, many years later. But he did come. Jesus, our Messiah, that was the promise that was out there. That was the salvation that was on the horizon, the comfort that was coming. But what are they going to do with the present? <laughs> because that's out there a ways. How are they going to make it through the present troubles? And the answer that they heard was this, God will give you strength to make it through to reach that horizon. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. That is also God's word for us this morning, for our present. Because we have a, a horizon, we have a salvation that's out there as well. Jesus is going to return, 
And when he comes again, according to Hebrews, it will not be to deal with sin because he's done that already. It will be to save those who are waiting for him. Save us body and soul. That's the resurrection. That's out there on the horizon. But what about today? What about the right now? How are we going to get through things right now? Well, it's the same answer for us as it was for Israel. God will give you strength to make it through. He gives power to the faint. He has, he who has no might, he increases strength right now. We'll find out how we get that strength as we walk through the passage. I want to start with an observation. The strength we need isn't physical. It isn't physical. Though it can be, that can be a part of it, but that's not mainly what this passage is talking about. Verse verse 27 introduces us to the reality. Isaiah gives voice to what the people of Israel were thinking about their present and predicted troubles. He says this to them, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. So what they're thinking is this, God doesn't see me, and God doesn't care about me. My way is hidden. My right is disregarded. God's not paying attention to me. I'm on my own here. I face injustice. I have no defender in my corner. It's just, it's just me against the world, me against the problems that I face. And that's overwhelming, and that's disheartening to live that way. That's the weakness that's in view here. There's a weakness that is not physical in nature, though it definitely affects us physically. You can be the very picture of health. You can be as strong as an ox, but there are things that make us not want to get out of bed in the morning that drain the life out of us. Broken relationships with friends or family. Regrets over mistakes you've made and their ongoing consequences. A sense of futility that nothing that you do matters. Fears about the future, about your job, your finances, your kids, the culture. There's a weariness that saps the life out of us. And it's not about physical exertion. It's the feeling that it's just me against the world, me and my problems. My way is hidden. My right is disregarded. And I have to figure out a way forward myself because God's not involved. And if that's the situation, then we lose strength. The strength is talking about strength of the heart and the soul. It's the ability to face the day with hope, to take the next step in your life with courage. It's strength you can have whether you're young or old, whether you're well or sick. It's not primarily physical. It's strength of the heart to face what's in front of you, and that's the strength that we need day by day. Now, some people like to think that it is just me against the world. It's flattering to think that we have within ourselves like the capacity to deal with everything that's coming our way. And we're even encouraged to think that way. 
Like, you're, you, you do you, you're good, you know, you've got the potential. There's all these messages that are always coming out. Find it within yourself, like, you know, and, and then you'll be able to do it. But it doesn't take long for that, that bubble to burst. There are things that can change us in a moment and show us how, what, we, what kind of strength we really have. All it takes is a notification from your doctor saying, we want you to come in because we see some concerning things in your test results. Or a phone call from the police at 4 a.m. when your son or daughter hasn't come home all night. Or a drunk driver who crosses over into your lane. In one moment, we find out how strong we really are. We need strength that can handle all of those situations and not lose our minds and not lose our joy. And that strength has to come from God. And that's where the passage goes next. God is a source of strength. In verse 28, Isaiah challenges Israel's perception of their situation. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And then he goes on. In other words, he's saying, people of Israel, you know better than to say that God doesn't see you, that God doesn't care what's going on with you. You have known. You have heard. You've had priests teach you this stuff since you were a kid. You've been told you're God's chosen people. You've been given his good law by which you can prosper he has rescued your nation out of many dangers. It's in your history. You know. You have heard. But they've forgotten. Because the present trouble is all that fills their horizon right now. And that's why they lack strength. So it was time for a refresher. So Isaiah is going to proceed with this remedial lesson on some of the basics about who this God is, who has chosen Israel, and, and what he's like, and what he will do. So he's going to go into that. And that is also what we need to hear this morning. If we're going to, want, if we're going to have strength, our problem is not that our way is hidden from the Lord. Our problem is that the Lord's way is hidden from us, and not on his side, because he's revealed himself to us. He's given us His Word. He's given us His promises. He's shown us Jesus Christ and Him crucified and resurrected. We know. We have heard. But we forget. And so we need to reacquaint ourselves with the God who is there. The God who has all the strength we need. Let's see what Isaiah tells us about Him. There's four attributes that he lists. And they're all... They all tell us we have a God who can give us all the strength we need for any situation that we face. First, he's the, this, the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the everlasting God. He has no beginning. He has no end. He exists from everlasting to everlasting. More than that, it means he pre-exists everything. He existed before there was anything else. Even before time itself existed, God is just completely outside the box. He is dependent on nothing. He's self-existing. He's always existing. 
And here's a takeaway for your life and for mine. It means there will never be a time when God is not present. There will never be a time when He cannot be called upon by you. He is always there. He was in your past. He is in your present. He will be in your future. No matter when you face a challenge, no matter when you feel the stress of life, God will be there. But Isaiah adds to that. He says also, the Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth. The God who always existed, who cre He created everything else that exists, beginning with the planet that we live on and everything on it and us. He created all that. He created the earth. But notice that it says more than that. It says He is the creator of the ends of the earth. Here's what that means for us who need God's strength. It means that God will be wherever you are ever going to be. Whether it's the ends of the earth or here, God is going to be there. He's not always all the time. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere you need strength. No place that you have ever been is a place where God is not. No matter where you face your next challenge, He will be there. He'll be in your house. He will be where you go to school. He will be where you go to work and where you travel. He will be there in the hospital. He will be there everywhere. All times and all places. God is everywhere where you need strength. And that's good news because He has strength to give. Isaiah tells us He does not faint or grow weary Think about that. God is a being who can never get tired. Nothing wears him out. Here's a measure of how limitless his strength is. He was not tired after he created the universe. It didn't tax him at all to create galaxies. He didn't need to rest after that. When it says in Genesis that God rested from his work of creation, it wasn't because he was weary. He does not grow weary. It just means he stopped working. He could have kept on going forever. It wasn't a problem for him to create galaxies. He can just do all that and it doesn't drain him at all. The Sabbath was made for man, not for God. We need rest because we do get weary. But the Lord is incapable of being tired. And that's one of the reasons why we take a rest from our labors. It's a reminder we are not God. Only God doesn't need to rest. Here's the takeaway for us who need strength. God has more strength that He can give us than we will ever need. Strength to get through. You and I are like a thirsty person who emerges from the woods of northern Minnesota, where we used to live, and happens upon Lake Superior. Lake Superior is the largest freshwater lake in the world. You couldn't drink it in a thousand lifetimes. <laughs> but you're a thirsty person, and you happen upon that lake. And that's what God's strength is like. He has more than you will ever need. He has more than millions of people will ever need. 
There isn't anybody that can come to God for strength. And he says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm out. It's just there. Always. Overwhelming. Infinite. He has everything that we need for every situation. There's no disability that you have that he couldn't remove or give you the grace to endure. There's no evil you face that he cannot overcome. There's no power that can overrule his decisions or his activity. Nothing shall be impossible with God. That's what the angel said to Mary. Talking about she's going to conceive with no man. Nothing will be impossible with God. God is almighty. And finally, Isaiah says this about the Lord. His understanding is unsearchable. So not only is God everywhere, at all times, with almighty strength, He knows exactly the right thing to do with all of His power. There's no end to His wisdom, His knowledge, His discernment. There's no predicament in the world that throws Him for a loop. There's no problem that's too difficult for Him to solve. There's no person or situation that He doesn't know full well what is going on and where that's going and what He's going to do about it. His understanding is unsearchable. It's just simply not true that your way is hidden from the Lord and that your, regard is, that your right is disregarded. It's not true. God sees. God understands everything. And every one. The situation that you're in, the ways you're being stretched, that's all fully under His sovereign control. He can change your situation in a moment if that's what wisdom and love requires. Or He can give you the strength to get through it. To suffer well. To suffer in faith. To suffer and also rejoice. He can do that for us. That's hopeful. If God and all these attributes did not exist, then we would be in serious trouble. It really would be just you against the world, you against the problem. But this is the God who exists. And He has within Himself everything that we need to get through our hard situations in our life. If we have this God on our side, then we can revive our hearts and say with Paul in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? In any situation we face, if the all-powerful, all-wise, everlasting God is for us, then there is a way through. There is hope in every situation. We don't have to fall apart. But how do we tap into His strength? That's the, that's the real rubbery meets the road question. How do you access God's strength when you're going through illness or unemployment, when your kids are going through the terrible twos, when you're just going through the craziness of the world in 2023? How, how do you get strength for that? Isaiah tells us how we get strength from God. Verse 29 tells us how it happens. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Here's how you get God's strength for your situation. You have to admit that you're weak. 
It starts there. He gives power to the faint. Uh, a person who feels faint is not in a position to lift heavy objects. They're more likely to fall over. That's, it's, a, it's a picture of weakness. It's a, it's a picture of a person who has no might. So if you want to get strength from God to get through whatever your difficulty is, the starting point is to admit, I have no might in myself to get through this. I don't have what it takes, but you do, Lord. The person who admits that, who knows that to be true, who humbles himself before God, is the one who's going to get strength from God. It's what Paul heard the Lord say to him when he cried out in his own distress. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul spoke of a thorn in his flesh. It was something painful going on in his life. Could have been physical. But whatever it was, it was painful. It was bad enough that he could remember three seasons in his life where he prayed that the Lord would remove this thing. And what was the Lord's response to those prayers. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I do my mighty things through people who know themselves to be weak. So Paul said, all right then, if that's the way it is, then I'm not going to resent my weaknesses. And all the challenges that expose them, like insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. He says, I'm not going to resist that anymore. Rather, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. I'm going to be content to own them because when I am weak, then I am strong. With God's strength, with strength that's outside of me, which can't be explained by me and who I am. It has to come from somewhere else. It comes from the Lord. We receive God's strength, His power, is perfected in us when we own the fact that we need that power from Him. Unless we think that isn't true, Isaiah sets us straight in verse 30. He says, Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Now, when we think about the demographic that's got the most energy, most strength, we think of those who are young, right? Young people are in the Olympics, not old people. Unless you're in curling in the Winter Olympics, you could be a pot-bellied 55-year-old guy who just slides a stone across the ice really exactly to a fixed point, and you could get a gold medal. But he's not going to win the decathlon, that guy, right? <laughs> we equate youth with strength, vitality, energy, and the Lord reminds us, you know what? Even youth shall faint, and they will be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. The most energetic and strong among us has limitations. Everybody needs rest. Everybody's going to fall down at some point. You die if you don't get enough sleep. We have our limitations, not even the best of us in our prime, at the top of our game. None of us is self-sufficient. Only God is. The everlasting God does not faint or grow weary, but you and I do because we're not God. 
So there's the starting point. We humble ourselves, we acknowledge our need of God, and that puts us in a position to receive what we need from Him. And that principle of need and humility before God is in the gospel itself. We don't receive salvation until we first admit we need a Savior. We need saving. We don't get forgiveness for sin until we admit that we have sinned against our Creator. We don't receive reconciliation with God until we admit we have offended Him with our wrong thoughts and words and actions. So it's when we humble ourselves and say, You're the Lord. Please forgive me. Make me right with you through Christ. That's when God declares, All is forgiven. Welcome, my son, my daughter. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from before the foundation of the world. Enter into my joy. Receive from me all the blessings that I'm ready to pour out on you because of my son dying in your place and removing the offense. And in all of this, this mercy is lavished. It gushes over us. But the starting point is forgive me. That humility. God gives strength to those who know themselves to be weak. It's those who look to Jesus as Savior in their weakness. There's one more thing, though, involved in getting God's strength when we need it. Verse 31 says this, They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They who wait for the Lord. The strength is available to us, but we need to wait for the Lord in order to receive it. Now, what does that mean, to wait upon the Lord? Well, this isn't like waiting to see what the weather is going to do if you're trying to decide, do we have this family outing uh, at the park or not? And you don't know. You kind of look in every once in a while, what's it look like now? And you're sort of waiting. It's not that kind of waiting. Rather, it's expectant waiting for something good that you know is going to happen, and then you're living in light of that confidence. It's a Psalm 130, 5 and 6 kind of waiting. The text says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. So the picture here is someone waiting for the sun to rise. Maybe it's a priest because he's waiting for that moment when he can give the morning offering for the people of Israel. Or maybe it's the watchman on the wall of the city, and he's been up all night because he's looking for a surprise attack in the dark, and he's waiting for that morning to come when all is clear. But there's this waiting for the sun coming up. They know it's going to come up. It's a picture, really, of, of trusting God as you go about your business. Waiting for the Lord involves confidence in His Word. In His Word, I hope. So the Scriptures have said something about the Lord, about me, about this world, about where everything is going, how, the, how it all works. And in there, it tells me I have a Savior. It tells me God is in control, that this isn't all random and chaos, that there's a way forward as I follow Him. And so we say, that's true. I hope in that. 
I have a future and a hope. I have eternal life. And so I'm going to step forward knowing that that is a certainty, more certain than the sun coming up tomorrow. And it gives me strength then to take the next step in obedience, given the fact that there is a God like the one we've described, and I belong to Him through Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm going to walk forward knowing my future is good, though I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes. And though I know this mortal body will perish, nevertheless, God is keeping for me an eternal weight of glory. I cannot fail to get there. It's not in jeopardy in this problem that I face right now. And that gives me strength to say, okay, let's go forward. Let's do the thing that God's called me to do. Let's follow the path of obedience. Because I know that's the path that leads ever onward to glory. Waiting is doing the next thing on the path of obedience to the Lord, expecting God's help as you do it. He is present. Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not just all on the horizon, this deliverance, this salvation. I'm with you now, and I'm helping you now. I'm walking with you. You're not going to walk alone in any of your situations. I will strengthen you, but you need to believe. Put your hope in me. Trust that the sun comes up tomorrow. <laughs> Trust that the Son of God is with you today and tomorrow. And do the next thing that He calls you to do. Take for an example, just as an example, a hard, a hard conversation that you feel like you need to have with somebody. Okay, we're walking the path of obedience. There's something going on in a person's life. It can't be ignored anymore. There's some kind of a sin issue there. It needs to be addressed. But you don't want to have that conversation. Like, to me, that's one of those situations where I feel totally weak. Like, I just hope something changes so I don't have to say anything. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't think I'll say it right. I'll probably make it worse. And so I can just, like, every time I think about that conversation, ah, I just can't do it. Right? So that's real life. What do you do? Well, you start with prayer. Lord, help me with this, because I think this is the path of obedience. I think I should be doing this. So help me. I need you. Give me wisdom. Give me compassion. Give me a word in season. Help me to think biblically about this. And then what do you do? Well, do you wait for the Holy Spirit to give you a manuscript, drop down into your lap, say, okay, just read that. <laughs> well, that isn't going to happen. <laughs> Do you wait for them to like change? Well, that probably won't happen either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be already having this situation in front of you. They haven't changed. So what do you do? You pray. You ask God for help. And then you do the next thing. You just make that appointment. And then you go and you open your mouth. <laughs> and then you trust all the results to the Lord. That He's going to do with that whatever He's going to do. And somehow you get through it. <clears throat> How do we get God's strength? We admit that we're weak. We ask Him for that strength. We do the next thing, trusting in His Word, trusting that He will help us. And He will. 
And when he does, his power is perfected in our weakness because that's how he likes to do things. You think, there's no way any good can come from this, but I'm going to do it. And then all of a sudden, hey, something happened from that. And it might not be right away. It might totally blow back in your face, but you don't know what God's doing. He's orchestrating everything according to limitless understanding and power. So we don't have to worry about the result. We'd leave that in His hand. Here's what it looks like when we get God's strength. This is the last point. What God's strength enables us to do. Here's what happens when the Lord renews the strength of they who wait for the Lord. Verse 31 tells us, They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What is all that? Well, it means we will receive strength that's fit for every occasion. From the extraordinary to the ordinary challenges of life. There's a progression here. First, when God renews our strength, it says, we shall mount up with wings like eagles. That's about divine assistance to overcome impossible situations. Eagles can fly. They can just, from standing, just take off and just go up and over everything, just soaring. They have all this freedom to do that. But we can't. We can't do that. We can't fly. You could put on one of those wingsuits and jump off a cliff, but all you're doing really is falling. You're not really soaring. You're not mounting up. <laughs> it feels like you're flying. But we can't fly. Eagles can fly. And there are challenges in front of us that seem impossible, like getting wings. Like, there's just no way. I don't have the resources. I can't see any way that this could happen. It's just impossible. It would take a miracle to get through this thing. But the Lord says, you wait on me, and I do miracles. I created the world. <laughs> Your issue that is, is impossible to you is not a big deal for me. I can do those things. And there's times, and you've probably had memories of this, where, you've, where, you, where you, something was facing you, and you were like, there's no way to get through this. There's no way this can have a happy ending. And then on the other side of it, you go, but it did. Well, how did that happen? Mount up with wings like eagles. Somehow God got you through that. He also gives us strength for periods of intensity, unusual levels of stress. He goes on to say, they shall run and not be weary. Unlike flying, running is something we can do for a time. But it's not something we can keep up forever. It could be a period of work overload. You know, 12-hour days, you know, for weeks, months even. could be a period of family trauma. There's something going on, and it's, it's not getting resolved, and every day it's there, and it's eating away at everybody. It could be finals week at college for those who are in college. It's when you're under the gun, you're stretched, there's so much to do, it looks like there's not enough time. And the Lord says, wait on me, hope in my word, trust me, I'll give you strength, I'll get you through that. You're not alone. There's also strength promised for one more thing, 
They shall walk and not faint. That's about the long haul. That's about the day in and day out existence of life, the ordinary stuff. It's getting up and going to work every single day, <laughs> feeding the kids, paying the bills, keeping the car running, keeping the house repaired, trying to get some exercise once in a while, processing the daily news, serving others, doing good, attending to all the responsibilities in your life. Life in the Scriptures is described frequently as a walk. It's day by day, one foot in front of the other, plodding forward in faithfulness to what God has called you to do. And that is hard. It can make you feel faint. Who doesn't go to bed at the end of the night um, like glad that I can stop? <laughs> not even wanting to think about tomorrow. Like, just not, don't tell me. Don't show me my task list. I don't want to know. Because now I'm going to bed. I mean, that's day by day. Every day we need rest because every day wears us out. God says, if you wait on me, hope in me, trust in me, admit your weakness, I will get you through that. I think it's worth noting that strength for this walk of life is what comes at the end of the progression. It's first flying, then it's running, then it's walking. That seems like the opposite of how this should go. Like, shouldn't, we, shouldn't it build up to a climax? Shouldn't it start with, there's strength for your day-by-day, -day, ordinary stuff. And there's strength for those intense seasons. And then there's even strength for those impossible situations. And then you would end on a high note, like, yes! But it goes the opposite direction. It starts with the impossible. It goes into the intense season, and it ends with the walking. What should we take away from that? What it points to is that the walking is the hardest part. It's the ultimate goal. It's what the strength is going to enable you to do. It's to get through all of life. We get excited when God does something miraculous, when He gets us through a really tough stretch, but a life of daily faithfulness to the Lord is the greatest display of God's power perfected in weakness. Yeah, anybody could like have a moment of, whew, great, God was there. But what about a long time? What about longevity? What about hanging in there for the long haul? Lots of people start well, and they end badly. God's grace is for the long haul. He wants to build us into those who have endurance, perseverance, people who are still doing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, trusting in the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. To live to be a gray-haired saint who's still singing God's praises after a lifetime of trials and victories but with these stories of God's faithfulness that's a strength that can only come from the Lord that is a beautiful thing may we all attain to that God helping us it's a life well lived let me just close with this here's, here's the takeaway from Isaiah 40 if you wait on the Lord, if you're trusting in Him and His Word, believing His promises, believing in Christ and the future that we have in Him, 
you will never face a trial or challenge that God will not give you the strength to go through. It doesn't matter if it's Monday morning or martyrdom. God will give you strength. He'll give you the strength for each situation. It won't come before you need it, but it will come when you need it. So often it's just, I don't know, I'm just trusting God, and I'm going to take this step. And in the moment of the obedience is when it happens, is when you say, okay, now I do the next thing. Admit your need. Trust in His promises. Do the next thing. The everlasting God who does not faint or grow weary will give you strength for everything as we're doing that. You can count on it because He's good. He's almighty and He's for us in Christ. He will carry us. He will carry us through this life and into the life to come. So may we trust Him and get strength from Him. Let me pray.